There are many people in the world who think that God exists. It's just you cannot have a personal relationship with that God. Well, this verse teaches that we can have a personal relationship with God. Well, would you take your Bible, please, and open up to the book of Psalms. Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm. What a beautiful psalm. Boy, I'm so excited that our missionary, Lisa Kendrick, is here with us tonight, missionary to Germany. You've heard that little humorous thing about what you call a German pastor in Germany, a German shepherd. <laughs> Well, the uh, the German the German shepherd, as I understand, was was bred um, for to be a sheepdog in Germany. And they're very intelligent, uh, very agile, very very loyal. Uh, we're going to be talking about sheep and shepherd tonight, and so let's read Psalm twenty three, shall we? Psalm twenty three. Uh, we'll read it all together. It's only six verses. We'll read it together, okay? And then you may be seated. Let's begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You may be seated. Psalm 23 is part of what is called a triptych. A triptych. And that means um, three photographs, three pictures. Psalm 23 is part of this triptych and it gives us three beautiful pictures of our Savior Jesus Christ. Psalm 22 is the first of the three and it pictures for us Jesus Christ as the grieving Savior meaning the king on the cross. Talks about his cross. Psalm 22. Psalm 23 pictures Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, meaning the king with his shepherd's crook. Uh, that's that, um, that staff that the shepherds hold. You know, that has a little thingy on the, the hook on the front, on the top. That's called a shepherd's crook. So we have the, the cross, Pictured in chapter 22, we have the crook pictured in chapter 23. And uh, Psalm 24 pictures Jesus Christ as the great sovereign, meaning the king in his millennial kingdom. And so 22 pictures the cross. 23 pictures the crook, the shepherd's crook. 24 pictures the kingdom. So you have those three. That's why it's uh, considered to be a triptych. Now tonight we will look at Psalm 23, the great shepherd and his sheep. 
Now let's pray. Our Father, once more we bow in Your presence. We ask that You would help our faith to grow in You. Help our love to grow. Our patience. Help our desire to live for You. Father, the world is getting darker. The world is getting crazier. More and more crazy people are making their presence known. And Lord, all this was prophesied. The stage is all set ready for the coming tribulation and we look upon ourselves as the last generation before the rapture and that's healthy to to do that so help us to make the best time best use of our time father bless us tonight as we look at your word and speak with our hearts in Jesus name amen now something that will point out right at the beginning is sheep that are left to fend for themselves die. That's what happens to sheep when they, they're let loose into the wild. They die. Uh, sheep must be fed. Sheep must be cared for. Sheep must be groomed. Sheep must be clipped. If the sheep aren't shorn, clipped, the wool keeps growing and growing and Eventually, the sheep will just die from that. The wool becomes so heavy, the sheep cannot move. Of course, sheep are, by and large, defenseless. Bottom line is, sheep need a shepherd, or they're, they're going to die. And the Lord looks upon us as His sheep. Anyhow, this brings us to verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I want you to note right away here, we're not just talking about any kind of a shepherd. Our shepherd is the Lord. Notice that it's all in capitals in your King James Bible. That's because the Hebrew word behind it is Jehovah. When you find Lord in all caps in your Old Testament, it's a translation of Jehovah, Jehovah God. And he is the self-existent one. And so, this is our shepherd is the Lord Himself. So not just any shepherd, but Jehovah. And no human shepherd can do what our shepherd can do. Now I know the Pope looks upon himself as the shepherd of the the flock, of the, the Catholic flock all over the world. He's a pretty poor shepherd compared to our shepherd. Our shepherd is God Almighty. And no human can possibly match what God can do. No one can come near His abilities. Now, because of this, the psalmist David goes on to say, I shall not want. I shall not want. Earthly shepherds, even though some of them are very good and might even give their life for their sheep, earthly shepherds are not able to guarantee that their sheep will never suffer want. They cannot do it because they're human. And yet our shepherd can make that guarantee. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's as simple as that. If the Lord is your shepherd, you will not want. You will not want to have your needs met. Now there's a difference between needs and greeds. I think we all realize that. We, we all need a roof over our head, but 
We don't all need the Taj Mahal to be the roof over our head. Alright? So the difference between needs and greeds. And because the Lord is my shepherd, He can guarantee that my needs will be met. Um, In fact, tell you what, turn a few pages to the right and take a look at Psalm 34. Let's back this up with another promise of God in Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10. Would you read that out loud with me now? Psalm 34, 9 and 10. And you folks at home, read it out loud with us, please. Here we go. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Now, the amazing thing is that um, this... Uh, Psalm 34 here was written by King David at a time in his life when he was in peril. Um, He had to escape out of the hands of a big bad guy named Abimelech. And so what King David was forced to do was to change his behavior and start to let the spittle run down his beard and claw at the, the door. And he feigned madness. Now, there are people who don't have to feign madness because they are mad. David was not mad, but he had to pretend he was. And it's in this context that this psalm was born. And David, looking back on that experience, saw once again that God looked after him and provided for him. And so, through the pen of the Holy Spirit, if you will, He wrote these great words here. And he said that even the young lions, those are the strong, healthy ones in their prime. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. God is a wonderful heavenly Father. And He will meet the needs of His children. Now, Obviously, if a man or woman is not born again into God's family, they're not his child. In which case, even though they may even attend church, read the Bible and pray, but they're not born again, they can suffer want and hunger and they can go without getting their needs met. But God knows how to look after his children. And God has made us this wonderful, amazing promise here. So it doesn't matter what we go through. His grace is always sufficient. COVID has been nipping at our heels for the better part of two years. And yet look, here we are. Living proof, living testimony to God's goodness. God is good. He's always good. He will always supply our needs, not necessarily our greeds, but it's been my experience now walking with the Lord for 46, going on 47 years, that God gives us more than what we need. He often does that. He doesn't just give us a piece of bread on the table. He'll put, you know, the bread on a plate for us. And then He'll put maybe a little butter on the bread for us. And then maybe something else on the side. God is good. He is good. He knows how to give good gifts to His children. 
He loves his children. That's good to know. Now, I'd like to hasten to say, if we are not getting our needs met, then it's quite likely that we're either not saved or we're saved but we're not staying by his side. We're backsliding away. and We're sort of uh, playing footsie with the world. And we're not leaving the things of the world and staying by the shepherd's side. So that's an interesting thought. Now, we'll get back here and we move into uh, verse number 2. He maketh me to lie down. By the way, verse 2 is a real invitation to the peace that God has for you and for me. Uh, one of the wonderful things that Jesus promised is peace. Peace is not the absence of problems. That's not what peace is. Peace is that tranquility in the midst of the storm. And all around you, you know, people are getting tossed and dashed and things are happening. And there you are in peace. And people are looking at you and say, how can you be so peaceful? And that is your open door to say, I trusted in Jesus as my Savior. And He's filling me with His peace. Boy, that's good to know. Sometimes people like to boast that uh, they're very religious and that they are very close to God. Sometimes they do that. And yet when you look into their lives, you see that there's no peace. There's anxiety. There's frustration. There's anger. There's no peace. Well, it could well be that they're not even saved. They don't have the Lord Jesus in their heart. They're just very religious. And there are a lot of people like that. A lot of people like that in full-time ministry get a, get a load of that one. Very true. A lot of men and now women filling pulpits of churches and they're not even saved. They're going through religious motions. To them it's a job. But they don't know intimately God as their Father. And so they don't have the love. They don't have the joy. They don't have the peace. These are things that only God can produce in our lives. And it's a good evidence, a good testimony to unsaved people as we stay close to the shepherd. He will give us peace. So it, it says here, He maketh me to lie down. That Hebrew uh, expression means literally to sit or to, to rest. To sit down or rest. Now I have read in a couple of commentaries written on the Bible, on Psalm 23, I have read where they say the ancient shepherd in Israel, if he had a little wandering sheep, he would take the sheep and lovingly break its leg and then bind it up. And then when keep keeping the sheep near him, and then when the, the leg heals, the sheep will never leave his side. I've read that. Maybe you've heard that. And I've looked into that. I have really tried to research that one. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not sure that they ever did that kind of thing. There's a number of reasons for it. Uh, you get a, a wandering sheep. Well, that sheep might weigh 75 pounds. And it's a little harder to break its leg than a tiny little lamb. And it doesn't make sense. Breaking the leg of a sheep, 
means that it wouldn't be able to get out and function as a sheep and graze and so on. It could be bullied by the other sheep. Um, to carry around a 75-pound sheep until its leg heals. And so, I'm not sure that they ever did this. To me, this is just the sort of thing written by book writers. People who aren't shepherds, they write the books. Those are the ones who write about breaking the sheep's legs. But shepherds have never written anything like that. And there is no historical evidence that at least I can find that even remotely suggests that the, the shepherds in Israel would, would be breaking the legs of the wandering sheep. It, it doesn't make sense. And that's why I think we, we have that expression that he maketh me to lie down. He's forcing me, breaking my leg, making me lie down. I think that's kind of where the, it comes from and the application there. Now, has it ever happened in, in earth's history? Boy, I don't know, maybe it's a weird shepherd out there somewhere at some time that broke, you know, purposely broke the leg of the sheep to try and teach it a lesson. I'm not going to say it's never happened. Chances are it has, but I can't find any historical evidence supporting that idea of a shepherd purposely breaking the leg of the, the sheep. Now instead, here's what I found when it says, He maketh me to, me to lie down. Sheep have four stomachs, just like cows, which means they chew the cud. You know how cows do that, and they eat the grass, and it goes into one stomach, and then they come back up, and they chew on it, and it goes down into the next stomach, and back up again. Sounds disgusting, but it's pretty appetizing to a cow. And to sheep, they got four stomachs. They chew the cud. But listen, Cows chew the cud standing up. Sheep chew the cud laying down. He maketh me to lie down. Why would a shepherd want his sheep to lie down? So that the sheep can properly chew the cud. So that it can get the nutrients. So that it can properly put on weight. So that it maintains good health. To me, that makes more sense. This loving, kind shepherd breaking my leg? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. But a loving, kind shepherd encouraging me to lay down so that I can chew my cud and do my sheep thing, well, that makes more sense to me. And again, sheep have to be, have to be looked after. They've got to be encouraged to go the right way. Because it's true, sheep do wander off. That That very true. There's an old joke. It says, um, if you had 100 sheep in a sheep fold and one of the sheep jump out, how many sheep would you have left? And most people would say, what? 99. And then the joke part is, well, you may know your mathematics, but you sure don't know your sheep. Because if one sheep jumps out, all the rest are going to jump out as well. For some reason, they oh, i got to jump out of here. And they follow and jump out. And sheep are like that. They tend to wander. They make great pets, I'm told. I'm thinking, brace yourself, my dear. I'm thinking one day, <laughs> and it's crossed my mind, <laughs> to uh, get a little friend for Charlie. 
Charlie the Wonder Dog, what would he think of a sheep? Well, anyhow, um, he maketh me to lie down. But where does he make me to lie down? In verse 2, what does it say? Where? In green pastures. Now that sounds appetizing. That sounds good. In fact, to us humans, uh, when we see green pastures, we, we feel good about that. We want to go and roll in it, or we want to take off our socks and shoes and walk through it or something. Green pastures. A lot of people like to take off their socks and shoes and walk through grass, things like that. So it speaks of the abundance. And again, this takes us back to the, the truth. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Our heavenly shepherd knows where the green pastures are in life. Earthly shepherds don't always know where to find them. They do the best they can and they do a good job. But the heavenly one does a little better job. Now something else in verse 2. He leadeth me beside what? Still waters. Now that's interesting. Why doesn't it just say water? You know, sheep need to drink too. Why isn't it water? Why does it say still water? And the answer is because sheep are timid. And running water, babbling brooks, can scare the sheep. Apparently they scare easily. Our dog Charlie. We put out a dish of water for him. And Charlie goes over and he starts licking the water. But sometimes as he, he licks, you know, the water flips and it scares him. And it's kind of comical. I know I shouldn't laugh at our little son Charlie there, but, you know, he, ah! <laughs> he does one of those with the, the water. He scares himself over his water dish. You see, he's a wonder dog. Um, young children will sometimes be afraid of the uh, product Jello, the gelatin Jello, and it's because it moves. In the dish, it moves, and when you put some on the spoon, it moves. And sometimes young children will, will be afraid of that because their food is moving on them. They don't like their food to move. So sheep are kind of skittish this way, and they tend to get scared easily. And so shepherds, what they will do is they, uh, when they come to the, the brook, is they'll get some of the larger stones and they'll create like a, um, a quieter pool of water. They'll put up these stones to help block some of the rushing waters so that a pool of still water is created. And then the sheep are not afraid to drink. That's what the good shepherd does. Because the good shepherd knows how scared we are sometimes. The good shepherd knows that we're, we're not made of you know, steel. We're not the, the man of steel or something. That we're very much broken. And that we need him. And God wants to be our source of power and strength and encouragement. And indeed he is. And so that's really encouraging what our good shepherd will do for us. Now we move to verse number 3. He restoreth my soul. Well, this is something that earthly sheep, the animal sheep, they don't have to worry about that. Uh, we do. And we have an eternal soul that needs to be saved. And if we're not saved and we die, we go to where? Where? A place called hell. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. That's how I know. 
And uh, the Lord Jesus came from heaven. He came to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. And that's us. We are naturally, normally lost in sin because of our, um, well, our fallen human nature. We're on our way to hell. We're on a crash collision course with hell. And unless something happens, we're going to die one day in an accident. Uh, in fact, this morning, uh, my wife and I, we had to stop in to uh, um, our local RCMP on a little business. While we were in there, all of a sudden, the door opens. A construction worker sticks his head in yelling to the, the police, Hey, someone just got hit on a bicycle. And, of course, they scramble out the door and they're right there, you know, to try and make sense of the nonsense. But you see how quickly accidents can happen. I wonder how many people got up this morning, got themselves ready, had their uh, toast and coffee and whatever, went out the door, bang, that was it. On their way to work or something, they got hit. Or maybe all of a sudden, the big one, you know, and down they went. I wonder how many people started out this morning and they're in, in eternity as we speak. Where are they? Are they in heaven or are they in hell? So it's very important that people, men, women, and young people, make sure, make sure they're saved. Very, very important. That's the whole purpose of our church. That is the purpose of every Christian. Every Christian needs to be involved Somehow, with soul winning. We call it soul winning when it's here local in our city. Soul winning around the world, we call it missions. We do it through missionaries. But every believer needs to be involved somehow with helping others to be saved. So, um, he restoreth my soul. It speaks of salvation. And then in verse 3, it says, He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. These are the proper paths that bring glory to God. There are a lot of ways a man or woman could walk in life. And I would venture to say that all of them but one will bring glory to God. There's a lot of doors to choose from, but only one, the perfect will of God, will bring glory to God. And these are the paths of righteousness. Very true for every Christian. Now, as I mentioned, sheep tend to wander. And when, when a sheep goes and wanders away, it's lost. The sheep cannot find its way back home. A dog can find its way back home. A cat can find its way back home. There are stories in the news of cats and dogs that have traveled hundreds of miles in order to get back home. But a sheep, when it gets lost, it's done for. It hasn't a clue how to get back home. There's no such thing as a homing sheep. It doesn't come back home. It's lost. It's gone. That's why the shepherd's got to go after it. He's got to leave the ninety and nine and go after the one lost sheep. So sheep tend to wander. That's in their nature. See, that's one thing about my dog, Charlie. He's, uh, he's got a, a very curious nose and he follows his nose. Uh, if you ever saw Charlie the dog, you'd notice that his nose is always out front of him, on the front, front part of his body. His nose is always there on the front part of his body. And he follows that nose. And we've tried this before, only to have to run up the street after him. Charlie, come back, come back. He's sniffing here and sniffing there, and he's having so much fun. And uh, 
Charlie is uh, one dog who could never find his way back home, I think. He must be part sheep, I think. Uh, dogs and cats can't find their way back home. Sheep get lost and that's the end of it. And that's why the shepherd has to lead the sheep. And this is why God has to lead us. Because truth be known, if we're left to our own, we're going to wander into the world. We're going to get involved with things we shouldn't get involved with. We're going to get involved with the wrong kind of people, the wrong kind of music, the wrong kind of liquids, the wrong kind of substances, the wrong kind of parties, the wrong kind of work. We're going to get involved with all the wrong stuff because that's our nature. We kind of wander and we can be easily led. But the Good Shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. And then it says in verse 3, look at it, for His name's sake. That's why He's doing it. It would reflect very poorly on the Lord if He did not lead us. God leads us along. That's what God is all about. He's a personal God. There are many people in the world who think that God exists. It's just you cannot have a personal relationship with that God. Well, this verse teaches that we can have a personal relationship with God. That He can lead us. Now we get into verse 4. And it begins with the word yea. Now the word yea is the most affirmative way of saying yes. Did you know that? It's the most affirmative way of saying yes. That's why Jesus said, let your yea be what? Yea. And then he said, let your nay be nay. So, you say, well, yea means yes. Well, it, it means yes, but it's got a turbo booster on it. And nay means no, and it has a thruster pack on it as well. Nay is the most uh, positive negative. <laughs> it's a strange way to put it. It's the most powerful way of saying no, is nay. And yea is the most powerful way of saying yes. And so here in this context, in Psalm 23, what the psalmist is about to tell us is very, very true and important. So he prefaces it with yea. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So in other words, he's saying, though death is all around me, um, very close to me, death could jump on me at any moment. Now many people feel that way these days, don't they, because of COVID. And some people uh, are so afraid of COVID. Uh, Pastor Pennell, when he was here, told us of a, a lady, I think in, she was 90, my dear, was that what he said? 90, something like that, late 80s or early 90s. And she was terribly afraid of getting COVID and she would not leave her apartment. And then um, once she had a grandchild come over to visit and unbeknownst, the grandchild had COVID she got COVID and she died. So that's, that's a sad story. That, that's true. But yet, does the Lord not know? Of course He does. And we just have to trust the Lord with decisions like that. We can't go around pointing fingers at the grandchildren and blaming and so on. We just have to trust that God makes no mistakes. Romans 8, 28. He makes no mistakes. But... Here, we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Whether there's COVID or no COVID, 
Folks, this world is still a dark, shadowy place. And uh, the shadow of death is oftentimes around us. And death could jump out. You know, it's like a, a fearsome beast. It could jump out and jump on us at, at any time. Speeding down the highway, getting from point A to point B, and you never know what could happen around that next corner. You just don't know. Um, for the sheep, the actual sheep, this might be the presence of wolves or bears. And of course, they love the taste of, uh, of lamb. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There's the secret right there. Because the Lord is my shepherd, thou art with me. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Here on earth, earthly shepherds, they may have a hundred, they may have five hundred sheep. Well, the shepherd can only be in one place at one time. He can't be in the farthest recesses of the, uh, the field. He can't be with every sheep at once. But yet, the great shepherd, the heavenly shepherd, can be with every one of his sheep all at the same time because he's omnipresent. It's one of those qualities of God, you know, being everywhere at the same time. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Folks, there's nothing to fear if Jesus is near. Let's not forget that, shall we? You know, with Jesus in the boat, I can smile at the storm. Isn't, isn't that how the uh, children's uh, chorus goes? With Jesus in the boat, I can smile at the storm. Sailing, sailing, as we sail away home. With Jesus in the vessel, maybe that's the word. I can smile at the storm. I like to say I can laugh at the storm. Yeah, Lance, you're the expert on that. You know all about that because you uh, work in the, the super church. So you would know that one. And we teach it to the children. And yet us adults often forget that truth. That with Christ in our vessel, in our heart, well, we may not be too thrilled about a storm out there at sea, but I tell you what, it's going to be okay. Because Jesus is here. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For thou art with me. And this is something that the unsaved don't have. And boy, when they get to the doors of death, they are afraid. And there are so many first-hand witness, eyewitness testimony of people that have hated God and then on their deathbed, they're screaming, they're crying. Many that have shaken their fist at God in life have died screaming and crying. But with Christ in our heart, Hey, the uh, valley of the shadow of death. I mean, that's, that's nothing. We have nothing to be afraid of. He goes on in verse 4. He says, Thy rod and thy staff. Well, the rod was like a large club that the um, shepherd would have to use against a wolf or something, you know, bonk it on the head. The bad guys. Uh, Lisa was telling us about the, uh, the needle gate there and if any bad guys came through the gatekeeper would bonk them on the head maybe like with a big club and the shepherd had one of these clubs that was the rod he didn't use that on the sheep he used that on the wolves then he said thy staff now that's that shepherd's crook that pole that has that loop on the top there and he would use that loop for a number of reasons he could um, help pick up a, a sheep. Well, at least a, a sheep that's not too heavy. <laughs> I guess he could loop it around the waist or around the neck or something and, and rescue that sheep out of danger, perhaps. They would use the, 
the shepherd's crook also to help nudge along the sheep. You know, they need, once in a while, sheep need a little nudging. Not that way, Porky, this way, over here. There you go. And so they would use that uh, on the sheep. And the presence of the, the rod and the staff brought comfort to the heart of the sheep. At least it did to the, uh, the psalmist here. Verse 5, he says, A table, uh, thou hast um, prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, the shepherd, before he would put his sheep into a, a field, would often walk through it, make sure that there's nothing harmful there for the, the sheep, nothing that's going to hurt the sheep. And this is how the shepherd would sort of prepare the table, if you will, because of the, the grass is what the sheep would eat. And so uh, he'll look for anything that might harm the, the sheep, including snake holes too, by the way. And he could easily fill those in. And then he says something interesting in verse 5. Here he says, Thou anointest my head with oil. And that has a nice picture to it, doesn't it? In, in our heads, in our mind's eye. That's sort of a nice picture. Last month, one of the ladies in our church, our sister Linda Haas, sent me something that she read on Facebook. And I liked it. And so I clipped it out there and I want to share it with you. It's... Here's how the article went. Uh, this is someone who's doing a commentary on this ver very verse here about anointing my head with oil. I have to admit it, I always wondered what this part of Psalm 23 meant. I thought, he anoints my head with oil was figurative language for God keeping the psalmist healthy. I never knew this parallel. Sheep can get their head caught in briars and die trying to get untangled. There are horrib horrid Horrible little flies that like to torment sheep by laying eggs in the nostrils, which turn into worms and drive the sheep crazy, and they beat their heads against a rock trying to get rid of it, and they sometimes kill themselves that way. Their ears and eyes are also susceptible to tormenting insects, so the shepherd anoints the whole head with oil, and then there is peace. That oil forms a barrier of protection against the evil that tries to destroy the sheep. And then the article goes on, Do you have times of mental torment? Do the worrisome thoughts invade your mind over and over? Do you beat your head against the wall trying to stop them? Have you ever asked God to anoint your head with oil? He has an endless supply. His oil protects and makes it possible for you to fix your heart and mind and eyes on Him today and always. There is peace in the valley. May our good Father anoint your head with oil today so your cup overflows with blessings. God is good and He is faithful. I thought that was pretty good. I did a bunch of research on this business here and it's true that... Um, there are nose flies that go after the, the sheep. And in biblical times, this was a very real threat to the health of the sheep. And they also had another miserable condition called scab disease. It was caused by parasites. And it spread from sheep to sheep. And they got it by bumping their heads against each other. And so a thick coat of oil uh, was believed to help kill the parasites. Today, shepherds use ivermectin. To kill the parasites. Maybe you've heard of that drug. It's been in the news lately. But that's what it's for. 
It's used on livestock to help kill off the parasites. Finally, we get to verse 6. He says, goodness and mercy shall follow me. And it's sort of like two, two sheepdogs. One named goodness, the other named mercy. Goodness and mercy. That's, uh, if you ever want to name your kid something, you, know, you can call one goodness and the other mercy. Surely good, goodness and mercy shall follow me. <laughs> and so they're sort of like two sheepdogs. Now, people ask, well, did the shepherds back then actually use sheep dogs, you know, with their flock? And the answer is yes. We have biblical proof. At least as far back as the book of Job. Job is the earliest book of the Old Testament that was ever penned. Somewhere around 2000 B.C. Job was a contemporary or slightly before Abraham. And so Job mentions in Job chapter 30 about the dogs of his flock. Those are sheepdogs. And so yes, shepherds did use sheepdogs. Whether they named them goodness and mercy, I don't know. But certainly the Lord will bless us, His sheep, with His goodness and His mercy all our lives. And then the very last phrase here, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's conscious, eternal happiness in heaven with God. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is what was in King David's heart and mind as he wrote these words, conscious, eternal happiness after death with God in his house. Now, real sheep do not get to dwell in the shepherd's house. Right? Or wrong? They live out in the sheepfold, in the barn. They don't get to come into the, the farmer's house, usually. <laughs> You get the odd one. But God's sheep do. And we're going to finish on um, the Gospel of John. I'd like you to turn there, please. And we're done. John chapter 14. We're talking here about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. John chapter 14. I'm going to ask you to read three verses. I'm going to tell you a wee story and we're finished. John chapter 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. Read it out loud now with me. You folks at home watching online, you read it with. Don't let us do all the work. You help us out too. John 14, 1, 2, and 3. Let's go. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Boy, oh boy, that sounds a lot like I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's good news. There's an old story of a Scottish grandfather who was trying to teach his grandson named Angus he was trying to teach him Psalm 23. And so he began and he said to him, he said, Angus, watch closely. And he took his hand and he pointed to each finger. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And then he said, Angus, you say it with me. The Lord, there's the little Angus. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Ah, that's good, Angus. Say it again. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, Angus, when I get to that fourth word, that fourth finger, I want you to grab hold of that finger and make the Lord your shepherd. The Lord is my... And the little boy grabbed his grandfather's finger. My shepherd. And of course, the grandfather was trying to teach his grandson that he needed to trust the Lord himself as his shepherd. Well, a little later that week, Angus went missing. And they called for him and went out hunting and searching. And sadly, they found he had fallen over a cliff. And he was at the bottom of a ravine. And when they went down to retrieve the body, they found little Angus, of course, dead, holding his fourth finger. The Lord is my shepherd. And of course the question is, is he your shepherd? He's other people's shepherd, that's for sure. But is he your shepherd? Can in your heart, can you claim him as your shepherd? You know about him, but do you know him personally? Is he your shepherd? Good question, don't you think? I hope that every one of us here tonight and everyone watching online is able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this Psalm 23. What a golden psalm it is. We thank you for its teaching and help us, Father, every one of us, to be able to, by faith, claim you as our shepherd. Help us, dear Father, to help others to claim Jesus Christ as their shepherd. Use us to reach others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.